Hi, loves. I hope you enjoy this episode of In My Truth. I've got a guest with me from Fit for Service, who was also once again in the recent ayahuasca ceremony I sat in. Um, Her name's Melanie Barrett, and she shares her journey through um, not just this recent ceremony, but her work with Bufo and LSD earlier this year and how they've all kind of linked and connected together. It's a super spiritual conversation, really insightful, really amazing. We touch on how uh, sometimes these spiritual awakenings or moments of connection that we can experience can and historically have been confused uh, with mental health issues and all sorts of things. Uh, Mel's really amazing at just sharing her journey. She even shared her journey about how she didn't want to use any psychedelics this year. (laughs) As I've just mentioned, she ended up working with LSD, Bufo and Ayahuasca in a medicine context. So it's a really interesting journey, one in uh, what's now, uh, what are we, four or five in this series around plant medicine that I'm absolutely thoroughly enjoying and I hope you are too. Welcome everyone to this episode of In My Truth. I have my girlfriend Melanie Barrett on the phone with us today or on the call, I should say. Um, We met through Fit for Service, which is the theme currently. I've definitely been talking to all of my sisters and brothers who were in ceremony with me recently and Mel and I will go through that today here as well. Um, We'd never met in person and uh, it was really awesome to get to spend a little bit of time with you. But I remember at the end of ceremony, I was like, oh man, I was like so excited to meet you and get to spend some time with you. But I also get very internal when I'm on retreat and I always want to spend time with myself. And I actually find it quite hard to connect with people sometimes while I'm doing my inner work. And I remember coming up to you at the end and just being like, oh, I'm sorry, I really wanted to spend more time with you. But this is just how I am. And, you know, it becomes more and more apparent to me over the years of doing this kind of work at the space that I get into and just accepting myself and loving myself for being there. One of the things that comes up for me sometimes, especially recently, we were with 20 something of our friends. I was like, oh, I didn't like, you know, love on everyone enough and (laughs) do all of that. But, you know, we're all there to have our own unique experience. And Part of my experience has been this podcast series. It's been so beautiful to reconnect with everyone since and go through everyone's stories. And it takes me back to that space. It takes me back to my experiences, what I was learning and going through and what we went through as a group. So thank you so much, Mel, for coming on the show. I'm so grateful to have you. Tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, no, thanks for that lovely introduction. I do remember that you came up to me after ceremony to kind of apologize for not being, you know, um, as social as maybe you thought you should have been, which it's like, number one, why do we do that to ourselves? <laughs> and then <I> <laughs> number two, um, what came to me, I can't remember if it's the guru or the shaman, but you know, we do our work alone. Um, so the fact that you're able to, you know, tune everyone out in such a social setting is really an admirable quality that you know that you're there to do the work. So from my end experiencing you, there was a lot of admiration um, with how you were really able to go internal and um, stay there 
and just really, you know, embody your journey. So from my end, my experience with you was it was admiration that you were so deep in your work. Um, so Aww, yeah, thank you so nice much for reflecting that there. back to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no problem. Um, we all live in our experiences and how we perceive each other isn't always in alignment with what we're living in our head, <laughs> you know, like how others perceive us. So it's always good to reflect. Um, so yeah, that, that was my first ayahuasca journey. Um, a little bit about myself. I've been in the corporate setting for the last 10 years. Um, and, uh, that, that corporate corporate re- wheel monster was basically, you know, killing me inside. And so this year, 2020 and joining fit for service, I was pretty set on, you know, just turning my world upside down and leading into ayahuasca in July, I was at such a moment of, you know, good, the, the whole year, seven months of just excavation after excavation, after excavation of my life, like clearing people, places, things, thoughts, you know, stories, um, probably a 20 year lifestyle of living um, into that journey. So it was interesting to see all of the space that I was clearing ahead into that journey. But also, I think it's very important to to note that I started 2020 and started Fit for Service dead set on the intention that I was not going to do psychedelics this year. I remember you sharing that at some point during retreat. (laughs) (laughs) That was a, yeah. Really? Yeah, that, that. Well, actually, could you tell me a little bit about where that came from? Like what you obviously kind of had a sense that that was a decent part of this community and you didn't want to, but what was the resistance or what was the... Yeah, resistance for me is addictive personality traits and probably abuse of substances in my past. So, mm-hmm. you know, my, I'm thinking in my head, well, shit, all I need to do is add another substance to be addicted to. Like, let's not go there. And I, in all my knowing, you know, came to the realization I had been numbing for the last, you know, probably 36 years, probably my whole life. You know, if we go back into childhood traumas and stuff, I started numbing at a very, very young age um, through, um, you know, weed and alcohol and, and other substances into my 20s that I really wanted to feel every moment of this year wholeheartedly substance free. Um, and do all the work I possibly could in my in my consciousness um, before adding in, you know, that next layer. Um, mm. And honestly, probably scared of what would come up if I did add on that layer. Um, so yeah, it it definitely stemmed from from my ego of of understanding my um, history with substance abuse. Um, and also understanding my history of numbing my whole life, that I was here to stop doing that, you know? Um, so yeah, that's where that came from. Mm, that's beautiful. Definitely. Thank you for sharing. And I think what, um, I'm always reflecting back, like, well, what changed my mind? Um, and I really feel that the plant called me. I didn't you know, go after it. I didn't seek it. I had this totally separate intention in my head that I was not doing, you know, any psychedelics this year. So the fact that I felt called, um, I just felt like I needed to listen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. And so it started with a, with a, a pretty heavy, um, LSD experience in May. 
And that was my first LSD, LSD experience where I really went in um, and then followed into Bufo um, in June and then followed into Ayahuasca late July. Um, and it was interesting to see how all of those journeys linked together, you know, at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Well, tell us about that. I would love to hear about that and whatever you would like to share with us about the recent ceremonies. And yeah, thanks for that kind of backstory. It makes a lot of sense. And I think there are a lot of people that can relate to, you know, we've been fed a story about drugs our whole life. And I use the word drugs because that is the context that the story was fed to us in and that they are all evil and terrible and, you know, bad for us and things. So I think it's a lot for many of us to start to rework that um, relationship and that understanding of how we can use some of these things as medicine. I know for me as well, I also have a history of numbing, um, used a lot of like amphetamines and stuff when I was pretty young, like 16 to 18 kind of thing. And then did have a bit of a stint where I tried to avoid a lot of it. And then once again, like all my shadow was surfacing again in my early 30s. And as I was trying to understand myself, that was once again, another um, different drugs, different things. And alcohol's always been one for me. But yeah, it's been interesting to reframe how some of these um, state alterers can actually be used as medicine. And I know there's a lot of people with past addiction that are curious. Um, but it's very scary if you've... I wouldn't say that I have been addicted. I have <clears throat> spent a lot of time with people with addiction and I can understand the fears when we use stuff in an abusive way or an addictive way to start to shift it. So thank you for sharing that. It's really Yeah. Really and also just touching on on what you said about the, the stories that were fed. Um, my mom, I grew up um, with my mom. She's a therapist. So, you know, drugs were bad, drugs are bad, drugs are bad. That's just like clinic, clinical therapy. Um, that, that's how it is. But also my dad was a, an alcoholic and that was bad. So mm-hmm. definitely fed the story of, of all of this being um, not the way to go. And just like to warp speed ahead after using the medicine, I have so much more respect for my body now. I have so much respect for like the sacred plants and what what they're capable of doing. And I have, you know, little to zero desire to even put alcohol in my body or any other substance, you know, let alone outside of the um, ceremonial space because I see how powerful it is. So what was that story? Like, I didn't, I didn't need it. It's not bad. It's like, wow, this is actually beautiful um, when used with the right set and setting and um, community around you as well. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, just jumping into the, to the LSD experience. Um, it was all of my journeys this year have really launched me into this sovereign place of my own divinity. Um, there's really like no story outside of like, I needed to see that my, my, that I am safe, like within myself. Um, so, you know, LSD took me straight into this fifth dimension. Literally, like that's what I saw in the clouds, the, the words fifth dimension, you are here It is you, you know, like, um, and I, I was able to develop uh, the mantra that I still use today moving forward from that journey, which is like, I am safe here in this place from birth to dirt, heaven to, you know, heaven to earth. Um, I am safe. Um, 
divine sovereignty, lead the way, heart space, you know, just um, really, I journal it every day, you know, and, um, and, and it was a huge factor in my Aya journey, this mantra. It really kept me in my heart space as ayahuasca was kind of leading the way through this, this story of, 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 of the lessons that it was leading me to. Um, after LSD, I was also told in, told in LSD, it was kind of like, if you are, if you are okay with this, you can go do Bufo. It's almost as if the medicine gave me permission to do the next medicine. But if I was not comfortable here, then it just wasn't time. Mm-hmm. And so I really had to sit with that message thinking like, the fact that the question was posed to me maybe means I shouldn't, or the fact that the question was posed to me maybe means I'm just going to sit with it. And I, and I came to the conclusion, um, obviously after seeing a couple toads along the way that, that it was also calling me as well. <laughs> Amazing. And I, yeah. And I did. And I went right back to that safe place. The medicine told me if you are comfortable here, you, you may proceed to Bufo. Just know that you're coming right back to this place. And in speaking with the the shamans that were conducting um, the Bufo ceremony ceremony for me, they were really surprised to hear that I went into this world of dualities, you know, on LSD. Like, that's not where you're supposed to go. Like, that's not usually what happens on LSD. Like, uh, you know, and it's just like, well, I, I did. I went up and even I'm reading Resurrecting Jesus now, right now uh, with by Adi Ashanti. And he even says... Um, Spirit goes up and out of the body. Now, I read that last week, but if you asked me about my LSD experience prior to leaving that, that's exactly the words that I would use. I went up and out of my body. Mm. I was um, able to move my energy into conversations happening across the room and then come back in my body knowing I was safe. And if I wanted to go listen over there, I could hear all the noise. But as soon as I came back into my body, it was all the silence and it was equally as beautiful. And it was all the light and all the dark and just this world of dualities that, how do you even put linear words to it? (laughs) That's one of the challenges with this medicine is um, trying to integrate it all afterwards, but we can get to that. (laughs) get to that. So, so I did, I went and I did Bufo and I had the most amazing experience and, um, and, and I was, I was devastated. Um, after these experiences of understanding how big you actually are, for me, the most devastating moment with all of these journeys has been coming back into my body. And I have this mantra that's so counterintuitive that's like, I am safe here in this place. Like, why was I reminded or why was I shown this mantra in LSD, through Bufo, all the way into Aya with a clear message that I need to know that I'm safe because it's the hardest part of my journey and it's been the hardest part of my life to actually feel safe in my own skin. Mm. And um, coming back into my body after each experience was just like devastating for me. I mean, I cried and I cried and I cried. I remember remember after night one of Aya feeling this intense vibrational pull of spirit back into my body after ceremony. And I just cried and I cried. And it's like, why are we captive in this vessel? And um, yeah, that, that, that's been a huge part of my journey. Um, 
and thinking about that, it. Sorry, I just sorry to interject. I just I find that's very interesting for all of us having a different experience with how we reconcile um, going outside of our body, and like experiencing that oneness, that sense of. I don't begin or end anywhere. I am just with everything else. And then they're coming back and it's experienced so differently. Like one of the things that happened to me in recent ceremony, I've had very just surrendered like, oh, I'm one and now I'm back. And it's kind of, it's been okay. Both, both has been okay, you know, but I had um, more like the opposite of what you experienced recently where I could feel my self, um, I think it might've been the first night actually. It was just, there was so much struggle with, I didn't want to go out. Um, like my, and it, Mm. it felt more physical, like something physically was trying to hold me like at a physical level, my body was like, I don't want to go out of this. I want to stay in it. And that's more, sometimes Mm. my experience is like, um, the big vast oneness of me not being only me and me being like with everything else is quite overwhelming. And my ego wants to just like pull me back and hold me in the body. I just find it interesting the way mm. the experience is similar, but we all reconcile it in different ways, depending on, I guess, you know, where we've come from and what has happened yeah. in our lives. And it's exactly where I was going to go with it. It's like holistically, I can take that feeling as far back as I remember into childhood. I was always out of body, always out Mm. of body. Like my spirit is just so um, much bigger, I feel like, than the ego that wants to pull her back down. She's Mm -hmm. just like, I I had suicidal ideations. I mean, first time I tried to kill myself, I was probably 12, you know, trying to get out of body. Um, The substance abuse, the numbing, like everything was just very out of body. Um, intimacy, right? Not being in my body in intimate moments. I mean, I was completely disconnected from, 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 from that sensation out of body completely. So I I look back on my entire life and it's like almost making sense now. It's like, wow, I've really, Mm. really been having out of body experiences my whole life running away from home. Like just, mm -hmm. Mm. yeah. I was a child. Sorry. (laughs) When I was a child, um, like it's, it's so interesting. It's like the opposite. You're reflecting me to me the opposite because when I was a child, it was like, I knew that I was everything. Mm. I remember like walking along the back path of my house when I, I moved from that house when I was 10. So I, I was under 10. I feel like I was six or seven years old walking down this path, thinking about the vastness of the universe, the interconnectedness of everything. And like knowing that that was the truth, but really struggling to reconcile that like the physical me mm. was that at the same time. And that's something, yeah, I've, it's interesting that you say it that way because I had that exact same struggle just the other way around as a child where it's like, I knew what I knew, but I couldn't understand it. And what I couldn't understand and where I felt safer was in my physical being, I think. And I wonder if that's to do with... Um, I had like really bad asthma as a child and nearly died many times and would hear my parents and the adults around me talking about, we nearly lost her on the weekend or something like that. So I was facing my own like actual death and mortality at a really young age. And I wonder if that was what drove me into like, I want to be here. I want to be in this. Um, And another thing that came to me in Aya on this 
um, more recent ceremony was like a really deep connection with earth, planet earth. And, um, this sense of like, I'm from the earth, like maybe my soul or my past lives or my parallel lives or whatever. It's, I'm more earthbound than I am of the stars or of the other galaxies and planets, which also gave me a lot of peace. I was just like, Oh, some of this stuff kind of makes sense now why I feel these things. I love that because I can tap into that too uh, in now knowing and understanding that I'm just very, I'm very astral. I'm not Mm -hmm. like of this earth, of this planet. I'm very like, I'm very astral. Um, even so far as to say that, um, I, through, uh, a girlfriend of mine who's a channeler, you know, her as well from 2019, um, Mm -hmm. you know, goes in to say like, I haven't been on this planet for a very, 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 very long time. I was done with mankind. There's too much suffering here is basically what my spirit says. Too much suffering here and I'm never going back. And I d- uh, here I am. So <laughs> there's a reason for that. Um, but I am, I'm very astral. Um, mm. I did some reconciling with some past, uh, I don't even like saying past incarnations anymore because I feel like they are actually happening in real time in another mm-hmm. dimension or however it works. But um, I truly feel I am here to reconcile that this place isn't so bad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, to take it back to the astrals, to light bodies that are coming to planet Earth to help entice the wonder that it's not bad down. Go do it, go do it, go try it, go try it. Because for a very long time, I was just up in the ethereals spinning around, like I'm done with that place, never going back there. And so I really believe that this is my last, (laughs) my last incarnation as well to reconcile all of the suffering for many lifetimes or many dimensions in real time um, in this life, in this body, mm-hmm. in this incarnation, like we are mm. safe in this place through me, all incarnations will be set free is another part of that mm-hmm. mantra that just keeps spinning and spinning and spinning for this whole, these whole last couple of months. So oh, it's beautiful. Uh, yeah. So, um, night one of my journey was a very difficult experience in coming back into my body. Um, the vibrational sound waves that were penetrating through me to, to pull myself back in was so powerful and it was so traumatic and sad. And that was night one. And it was interesting because night two, I did, I went through the same process, but I went through that process while I was under the medicine. So now I'm under the medicine and literally the guides are just showing me that it's through that vibrational sound is how you pull yourself back into this body. And it's not bad nor good. It just is. And your body is your gift. And this is your gift and learn how to harvest it and um, channel it um, in real time, because this is what you're here to do. You're pulling spirit back into your body um, to then like give it to others. Um, So in trying to unpack all of that message, it's like, wow, my whole life is flipped upside down, like (laughs) corporate bullshit. Like (laughs) there's something else that I'm, 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 here to do. And so the integration piece is, is in full way. And it's, it's really confusing because I'm still having these experiences, um, since I, uh, you know, and I've had a couple activations since I, uh, and it's the same thing. It's like this vibrational release and then coming back into my body. Um, and I'm really just trying to understand it. 
Does it feel like, um, like when you are having these reactivations and having these experiences again, are you able to like, is it like you're getting used to working with it and how to play with it? Or is it just like happening? You're like, Oh my goodness, again. Both. <laughs> Both. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's a moment where it's like, okay, it's happening again. I need to lay down and I need to breathe and I need to learn how to release. And I need to remember to surrender. And it's like, once I get to that point of surrender, um, I feel like a total nut job saying this, so I'm just going to say it, but like, that's when I start hearing the voices again, you know, that I heard in ayahuasca, um, what I like to call my spirit guides or the gods, um, just kind of coaching me through it. Like my ayahuasca experience was a straight tutorial of how to keep my channels clear to access the gods, to speak to them. And during these reactivations outside of a medicine space where I'm one time I was at lunch and they started kicking in, in broad daylight, you know, and another time I was sitting on the couch watching TV and it started kicking in. And, um, yeah, there's, there's a moment of resistance. There's a lot of body tremors. Um, just the one that happened last week, I basically told my spirit, like with an exhale in the middle of a bunch of tremors, I just exhaled and I go, all right, just go, just go leave like permission, leave. And in that moment, my body started vibrating at the speed of light so intensely. It was literally like I could feel spirit leaving my body. Like you give me permission to leave, I will leave. And, and I'm, I, I could see that I was so powerful that I could just capsize this, this entire form in an instant. And my light would just shoot everywhere. And, and And it did. And it did. And in that moment, I went wherever I went and I was completely formless. And I was so big. I was it. I was everything inside and outside was just everything, you know? And, and then in that moment, your ego kicks in and you're like, Whoa, this is intense. Pull it back in, you know, pull it back in, pull it back in. And so it is, it's like this delicate dance of like allowing my spirit to go play, but then remembering like, Hey, whoa, form, I have form, come back. And like, this form is nothing without you, without spirit. This form is Mm. nothing without spirit. Wow. Um, yeah. And so kind of rambling, but. No, it's beautiful. And I think, you know, The kind of things that you're talking about, you said like, oh, I sound like a nut job, but the voices came back. Like once again, we've been fed this story our whole lives that if you hear voices, that's you've got mental health problems or, you know, like a lot of these experiences that I've had and that I described, that you're describing, that other guests have described, when you haven't experienced them, um, it sounds different and weird and like strange and hard to imagine. And then couple that with stories that we've been told that that's what, you know, mental health issues look like. And I mean, sometimes I wonder now, I'm like, I don't even know if there is mental health issues or if people are just wide awake trying to deal with it (laughs) or like fully connected to something and trying to deal with it, you know? Well, and it's, it's known in my family, be careful. Schizophrenia runs in your blood. Oh, okay. (laughs) You know, so, um, 
but it's real. It's just, it's so real when you're experiencing it, it's real. And, and taking it, integrating it into day, into everyday life and seeing the synchronicities that unfold in everyday life based on these existential like experiences, you know, it's real. It's in total mm-hmm. alignment with these crazy synchronicities throughout the day. Um, you know, just the other day I was, I was on a hike and, um, I was on a hike and I was re- reconciling a dream I had the night before, um, which, <laughs> what is a dream? This is a dream. Like this, this, what we're doing, this is a dream. That was, that was real. Um, anyways, <laughs> I was reconciling a, a dream that I had with my, with my guides telling me it's time to transcend into the wolf, but like from the inside out, not the outside in your form's not going to change, but you are to become your wild wolf. And do this and do this and now feast. And in the moment that the guides told me to feast as a wolf, I was like, how does a wolf feast? A wolf feasts on raw meat and killing its game. And it's very like, you know, like, like volatile. Like, can I, can I be that? Can I do that? Can I be the shadow of that? Can I be with that? Like, and I was like, whoa, I don't know if I could do that. I don't know if I could eat the meat and drink the blood and raw, do all this wolf stuff. But I'm just going to pretend that I'm doing it and everybody will be satisfied. And I remember in the dream, the guide's looking at me and being like, you're going to pretend to embody it from the inside out. Like as if we can't, as if we can't see, as if you can't see, like we are all the same. Who are you hiding from? In turn, hiding from us is actually hiding from yourself. And I thought you said you were going to stop doing that, you know? And, um, (laughs) so I got done reconciling that dream and I walk up the hike and next thing I know, there's a mountain lion 20, 20 feet in front of me, you know, and it's like, what the hell was that about? And I walk down, obviously, to the, the um, I walk back down off the hike and I meet a girl. And in meeting this girl, she asked me to randomly interpret her, her dream. And she's telling me this dream and it's of a sailboat and the ocean and this skyline. And this dream that she was telling me, I had been journaling about her dream for the last five months. Like literally it is in my, um, intentions journal as like a way of being that I want to encapsulate today. All the chaos around, I am the, I am in the sailboat, but one with the sail, with the wind, the currents of the seas, and in being one with all of the chaos around, I am still. And she literally just told me that dream. Um, yeah. And then uh, I've had some downloads to go to Mount Shasta. And right before I was leaving her, she's like, I just feel called to tell you to go to Mount Shasta. And I'm like, who's calling you, first of all? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, are my, guides talking, are my guides talking to you as well? Like, what is going on here? But again, it's just proof in the pudding that it's, it's so fucking real. Mm, it's so amazing. I mean, wow. Thank you for sharing all that. So beautiful. I remember sometimes I think um, you just reminded me like having this woman appear and have this encounter and then she's gone. It's like, it's fascinating sometimes where I wonder if these people are even real or, you know, if something I was, when I was really um, careening toward my breakdown, the breakdown I had in 2018, I, um, I was doing work at my desk and I'd 
just had a shower and put a sweater on. I started itching and I had like this rash all over me and I thought it was my sweater. So I like ripped the sweater off, went and had a shower, um, put something else on and I was still itching. I'm like, what is this? Am I having a reaction or what's going on? And I was just like, I don't know. For some reason, I just got up and I went to Whole Foods, which was down the street just to see. I don't know what I thought that I was looking for, but I was like, I'll go to the natural section with all the um, uh, vitamins and things and just see. And this woman walks up to me and she's like, can I help you? And I was like, oh, I feel like I've got this rash. And I just kind of showed her and she just looked at me and she could obviously feel all of my energy, my anxiety, my depression, all of that energy in me. She could see it all over my face. And she just said to me, does something in your life need to change? Mm. Like, And she said, it looks like hives. Does something in your life need to change? And I feel like, you know, I can't quite remember. I burst into tears because I was like, yes, <laughs> everything <laughs> needs to change. Yeah. And, you know, I think she just walked away and, you know, I just went home. I didn't buy anything. I just went home and I was like, I'm, it was that moment where I was like, wow, you know, everything that's going in my, on in my life right now that I keep trying to ignore. I keep trying to tell myself I can rise above it. I'm stronger. I can find my way out. It's now manifesting in my physical body. And I was like, what, like at what point, Sarah, you know, and it was probably a couple of weeks just before I fully broke down. And that was the end of the beginning of the end of that horrible, horrible cycle that I was in and period of my life. And, and things did need to change. I needed to end the relationship I was in. I needed to move from the city of Vancouver, which I was not enjoying, come back to the US. I needed to honor myself and everything I needed. And I started that journey. But I always look back and I'm like, I don't even know if that woman was real. Like sometimes yeah. it feels like she was just an angel. She said one sentence to me and you know, she certainly didn't do the like stand there and sell me a whole bunch of stuff and send me off with a shopping basket full of vitamins. She just posed a question to me and walked away. And I was like, oh man, some wow. people just, sometimes it just feels like, did, did that even happen? I don't know. <laughs> well, yeah. And I think that that uh, somewhere along the, along the line, I, I read that, you know, your higher self speaks in clear, direct sentences and that, or spirit, um, speaks in questions and in the question lies the answer. Mm-hmm. And so when we have those moments where it's very clear and concise and simple, and it's almost like, God, that was so simple. And we make things so difficult. And all you needed to hear was that one line, mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> you know, and we'll sit here and we'll talk about it for an hour and it won't be as powerful or you'll be in therapy for 20 years and it won't be as powerful as that one sentence that one woman told you that one time because it literally, it was your higher self speaking through her. Yeah. You know, we are just mirrors to what we need to, to hear. Others are just mm-hmm. mirrors to us. So totally. that's beautiful. Um, so yeah, my Aya journey, uh, Feel like we're here to talk about the eye journey, and I keep on not talking about the eye <laughs> journey. But, um, but yeah, that was my first ayahuasca journey, and I was scared shitless to go in. Actually, I wasn't. You know, I take it back. I really wasn't. I wasn't scared. I was just like ready. Um, I had my mantras down. I had cleared so much space. I don't know what was more magic: night one and night two of Aya, or everything that happened leading up to Aya, and now everything that's happening after Aya. Um, 
I think that's so accurate. Like I find that every time it's the work that it's like magic to where, and you can't always see it while you're moving through it specifically, but when you look back, like when it is say a month after or even more and you look back on, I can always pinpoint the moment she started working with me before ceremony, before retreats. I've done three separate retreats and I can pinpoint each time like the exact day that that medicine round really started working. I I mean, I feel that she's always in us once we do it the first time, but it's like there's this moment that's like, okay, this is what we're working on this round and this is the moment that it comes through and I can pinpoint it back and it's like so incredibly fascinating. Yeah, you bring up the exact moment for me. It was it was probably, I don't know how soon before, it was in between Bufo and, and Aya. And there was this day, like I told you, I was sitting at lunch and had an activation in front of a girlfriend that who's, who's not a part of this community, who does not engage in psychedelics, nor does she have exposure to a community who does, you know? Um, but full-blown activations and really reconciled like all of the traumas of my past life in broad daylight with her um, through a series of about six activations um, where I had to fall to my knees and I felt all of the pain and suffering of every single one of my incarnations on this day. And that was like, that's what kicked off the healing journey into this ceremony was that day. I mean, it was to the Mm. point where Sarah, I had called the paramedics to my house because I didn't know what was happening. And the room was going white and I had pains here, here, and here. And I, you know, I couldn't breathe. And, and I was like, call the paramedics. Cause it was about probably the third round of these activations. And, um, the paramedics came and there were six paramedics standing around the room, all looking at me scared of COVID. And I'm just like, by the grace of God, like, Thank you, COVID, you know, um, because on any other random day, those paramedics would have took me straight to the hospital to numb and numb and numb whatever my body was trying to release. But because COVID- The first thing they probably would have given you would be some kind of Valium or similar to Mm -hmm. just totally calm and numb down, calm as they would say, and numb down everything you were experiencing. Yeah. So I signed a waiver for them to to leave because they were like, we can take you, but it's, it's like, it's, it's the day and age of COVID. So we don't really want to take you, um, if you don't have COVID and, um, it, that allowed me to go through a couple more waves of activation, really fall to my knees in reconciling all of these incarnations of just trauma and suffering. And, um, and that started it. Yeah. Wow. And that's tying into what you were saying about this insight that you've had of this being, you know, of you coming back to earth and sort of saying, okay, I'm reconciling all of that past stuff and I'm here to change my own, um, my soul's story, I guess, or the story of my spirit that I've been um, living up in the ethers that you didn't want to come back to earth. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was clearing space and, and you know prior to Aya I was called to clear space with a family member that I hadn't talked to in two and a half years 
Um, leading into Iowa, I was called to clear space with my child's father, who I haven't talked to in years. And really, um, I called him like seven letters of forgiveness, where I performed an exercise completely removing my ego of righteousness and how I felt I was wronged by him or whatever, and just um, wrote these letters, one each day for seven days, um, really owning my um, contribution to his pain. Because no matter how much I feel like I was wronged, I mean, I raised my daughter by myself. Okay. So for me to say, you're forgiven and this isn't about how you've wronged me. This is about my contributions to your pain. It was kind of like, that was a big deal. So, I mean, I cleared space with my brother. I cleared space with my kid's dad. I even cleaned out an old jewelry box that really like in that moment has nothing to do with clearing space. It's an old jewelry box. Like I was moving. So I was cleaning out all of my crap, but I had moved several times with this jewelry box and I've never cleaned it out. And I took, took it upon myself to clean it out this time. And, um, you know, had a few tears and realizations and cleaning out that jewelry box and then leaving, um, <laughs> leaving our ayahuasca ceremony, I was gifted a, a new beautiful necklace by, you know, one of our, by one of our, um, lovely, lovely tribe members. <laughs> And it's like, pay attention, you know, pay attention because when you're sleeping, you, you're not going to notice that you just cleared your jewelry box out and you created space for this piece to come in. Mm, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Our physical, you know, world around us, our material possessions are just such a reflection of what's going on for us in our inner world. And I think it is really important to get curious with like, what am I holding on to? What does this represent? What doesn't it? I mean, some things are innocuous, I'm sure, but many more things I think have such energy attached to them. And, you know, there have been things that I've intentionally decided to keep, but I've cleared the energy to change the story of that item. And then there are other things that I'm like, no, I'm like getting rid of this because that's what feels right but like actually looking at things from time to time and clearing things out and and what does that cupboard or that drawer where you kind of shove things in that you can't be bothered to deal with like what does that actually represent like where in our inner world is there a cupboard that we shove things in that we don't want to deal with and what is it that stops us from not having to do that like what what's the piece that's missing for us to just deal with the thing right then toss it or find a proper place for it or whatever it is yeah, we, we, um, I read Carolyn Mice's, uh, energy anatomy post our ayahuasca ceremony. And it was, she uses this analogy of, of weight, W E I G H T and weight W A I T. And, um, you know, the, the, we don't even realize the heavy weight of the past. Like you're saying, like what energy is it holding that we're actually carrying into our present day and in turn carrying into our next day, our future. And the longer that you carry the weight of your past, the longer you're going to wait for, you know, your dharma, your future, the path that's waiting for you as soon as you just get rid of all of that weight that you don't need anymore from the past. And there's a direct correlation between the heaviness, the weight of the past, and how long you're going to wait for your future to unfold, unfold, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And I just loved that. I loved that. And it's the... It's the fear and the scarcity mindset that sometimes 
stops us from letting go or sometimes we're just not ready and that's okay as well. Like it, it, everything in its own time. But when we are getting closer to being ready, it serves us well to remember the truth, the universal law that when we let it go, we make space and the energy it takes to hold something that is heavy and um, challenging and difficult for us is far greater than well, greater in that it blocks what can be like a very big expansive energy coming in. We can fit more um, of things that are expansive. So I think about my business right now. We just had a couple of um, like two clients that we were like, these clients are really not in alignment. And one of the girls who works for me, we were voice noting and she said, you know, I think that if we let these clients go, it's going to make space for 10 more to come in, 10 more, more aligned clients. And like that, you know, I share her sentiment completely and backed her decision. And, but it feels like that is true. It's like, let one thing go so that 10 things can come, 10 beautiful, expansive, amazing things, whether it's clients or, you know, love or whatever it might be for you. But like what, when we clear the heaviness and the challenging things what can come in its place um, is so much more expansive and bigger, which is so yeah. And I think that we always try, we always try to lean on like what we know, what we know to be true, what we know to be true. And so, like in your case, you know that the exist, you know the existing clients to be true or client. To yeah. Be true. And the unknown is the ten that might potentially come if you clear the space. Like, mm-hmm. and then that's where you know the the tr- the faith and the divinity and trusting in. And if clearing that space, divine will fill it up with something else, you know, like, but you have to clear it first and you have Mm -hmm. to be okay with leaning into that unknown, that mystery, um, you know, that, that, that mystery that's there. So I think that that's where we often get held up is like, I'm going to stick with the known because the unknown, I I can't fill in those blanks. Yep. It's fascinating. The, even though this sucks, I know it. So I'll, it, you know, the it's like the better the devil, you know, or some of those kinds of sayings. It's like, well, I know what I'm dealing with, even though I don't like it. So I can handle and manage it rather than opening to the possibility of like what could be, which is, it's wild. And even, even though I know it, it, it you know, it's, it's literally happening to me right now. And we made that call, but it, it was a very conscious, like, okay, it sucks that we're going to let go of a little bit of revenue and let's just, let's just take that leap. But you know, it's not super easy. Um, just thinking one of another. Also, go. Yeah. One, one, cl- I mean, it's like directly related one clear message. And this is a piece that I'm trying to integrate. Like I was, I was clearly downloaded that I, I have one job while I'm here post ceremony, the gut, you know, the gods, the guides, whoever it was, ayahuasca, like told me, keep your channels clear keep your channels clear. This is how we are going to work through you is, is through your clear channels. So, I mean, you see me walking around every day, like on my arms, like clearing my channels, like keep your channels clear, but it's like, hold on. That's the literal interpretation of that message. So again, now we're thinking linear. Was it, so I was actually supposed to just keep the channels clear so that they can speak through me, or is it keep my channels clear in a metaphorical sense? Like don't start the new job don't tie yourself down with the apartment. Like all of the shit that you've been releasing over the last year that, that, you know, we've seen you, you, 
you're releasing, like keep those channels clear. Is it everything else in life or am I to be a channeler? You know, like what, Mm. you know, so, um, it's, it's the symbolism of the message versus the literal interpretation. And I find, I know in my truth that, um, through these activations and stuff that there's really something divine going on within my body and who I'm talking to in the, in, in the ethers that, that keeping my channels clear for actually reading people or healing people through energy work could definitely be the message, but like, also let's, let's expand it and think about it metaphorically, right? Like you just cleared your channel of your occupation. I no longer have an occupation. If you ask me what I did today for work, I'm like, I, did, I don't, <laughs> like, I don't have an answer for you. That channel is clear, right? Mm-hmm. Um, where do you live? Well, I, I don't, I don't have an apartment. I don't have a lease. I own a home. I have my renters in it, but my um, housing situation, that channel is clear, you know? So Mm, that's the integration piece, right? Is it a linear, literal interpretation of the message? Is it uh, symbolism and um, metaphorically speaking? Um, Is it both? Mm -hmm. And I think dream interpretation is so... uh, good at like practicing our dream interpretation is so good at helping us kind of play with that because it's very easy to, I don't know, have an experience in the waking dream, talk with someone or whatever, and then dream about that situation in a really weird way. What seems to just be like a weird representation of something that came into our consciousness the day prior. Um, But when we go deeper if we actually look at how are we feeling, how did we come away from the dream, what was our state of being, and try to separate the connection with the particular people or scenario that have come up that were triggered the day before and actually look at like how do we underlyingly feel, what was the underlying representation and message. It's like, in my experience, most of the time when I've really taken the time to dig in, my subconscious is just using that situation that came into my awareness to show me and demonstrate something metaphorically, um, which is, it's a practice to get there. And we can practice that with these symbols and signs that we come across the synchronicities. And also, I mean, I've had a lot of my, a lot of my very profound, um, plant medicine journeys have been metaphorical in, context, but I've been guided literally. So I'm seeing something, but I'm also getting the, see how this means this, see how that represents that. And it comes away like quite clear. I've, I've got both. However, in my more recent journey, the last night, it was very, just all metaphorical. And I came out of it and I, I don't know if you would remember, but when we did the sharing circle, like my word was exhausted. I had like nothing that I felt I could really contribute mainly because I was just still really in a confused space. And I hadn't come out of medicine journey like that before. I've, I've had one where I was like, uh, I don't really know what that was. Like just nothing seemed to happen. That's probably as close as I got, but because it was kind of nothing, it didn't really rock me. Whereas this journey was like a lot happened, but I have no idea. Like there was not a lot of guidance. Um, Mm. I didn't feel that kind of grandmother guide. And one of the messages I did get was, you know, you've been, that was my 10th ceremony. And I got a clear message. It was like, you're done with this medicine for a while. Like you have a lot to Mm. integrate. 
you've done really deep work and you don't need to come back here for a while. And I, at that moment, because it was really hard, I felt the grandfather energy and I felt the energy of what I think is Huachuma saying like, this might be what's next for you when you're ready. Um, and that moment got me through that grandfather energy came and like held some kind of masculine rock kind Mm. of energy to help me get through what had been just a swirling ocean hours of this swirling ocean of nonsensical. Um, I, I, I've made some more sense of it now. Um, but at the time it was just like, I don't really understand what, and I feel like a little bit I'm on my own here. And I think that's what ayahuasca was telling me. Like when I first came to work with her, I was very fragile, you know, very in need of that feminine nurturing mothering energy. And I was very guided through my healing. And I think where I got to was like, you're good. Like you're on your own and we're going to rock you a little bit with, give you some stuff that you need to go away and kind of take some time with. Um, and I had that masculine energy come in and just be like, you, you can do this. You're good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was much more, and it's taken me more time since to unpack in more of the way that I would a dream. I'm like, okay, what did that actually mean? Like the literal thing was scary, but like what, what was it metaphorically? Yeah. Yeah. And I love that you talk about the dreams because I, it ties right back into me always leaving my body. Um, I have these intense, you know, just lucid dreams, um, following ceremony. And, um, if I'll wake up, And it's almost like I'm practicing coming back in my body again, because the, the dreams are so vivid and so guided by the divine. Like I'm, I'm in these full blown conversations with my guides in my dreams. Mm -hmm. And I know, you know, I know that I'm up there like, and I'm talking with them. And so if I find myself in the mornings, you know, and some of these, after some of these dreams, it's just like, oh, this body, you know, this place I'm, I'm here. It's always about coming back into this body and groundedness and being comfortable with that. Because until I'm comfortable leaving my body and coming back in, I'll never be able to harvest my powers, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. but the dreams are so intense that the mornings sometimes are sad Mm -hmm. because you're in this space of limitlessness, you know, where you are everything. And then coming back into the drop, right? We are the ocean in a, in a drop, right? Um, this body, just this little tiny body. Um, yeah. And it takes me a minute. It takes me a minute to really come back into the body after these dreams. So I'm also learning that I'm very good at being astral, but that's not what I'm here to do. I'm here to learn how to create in the three-dimensional space. And that's, that's the challenge for me right now. What am I creating next? Mm-hmm. Um, I've cleared the space. So now what am I creating? Mm. Um, Yeah. How does it feel to try? It sounds like you're trying to be patient with or practicing being patient with just holding that, just, just sort of like staying where you are and not having to move. But how, how is that? How is that experience for you? It is. It's hard. I, I, I've used the analogy a couple of times in the last few weeks. I feel like I am a jet plane and I am on the runway and the, engines are on the, the fuel, the fire's blasting out of the, the, the engines, whatever they're called. I don't know, but like, 
tanks are full, engines are on, fires coming out of my wings, you know, like I am on the runway ready to launch. And I am just like waiting for the, for the air tower to call in the trajectory. Yeah. (laughs) Otherwise you're just going to go, where are you going to be going? (laughs) Where am I going? What's my path? What's my flight path? You know what? And I don't even need to know the, the path path. Like I just, maybe just like hints at the trajectory. And then, and then you hear messages over and over and over again by three random strangers within a 24-hour period of Mount Shasta. How does that happen? I ask the question, just please give me a hint of the trajectory. And then, you know, a couple of days later, within a 24-hour time span, I hear Mount Shasta from three different people. Maybe I should go to Mount Shasta. But then I'm, I'm like, well, all right. So I'll do that. If you also send me how, (laughs) send me one more invitation and I'll be hundred percent sure that that's the trajectory. Like what? (laughs) Three times, you know what I mean? Like, have you seen that meme? There's a funny meme and I'm going to like butcher it probably, but there's like all these like aliens and spirit guys looking down on someone on earth. And they're like, we've given her three signs. We've put that person in the way we've done. Like they list off all the things they've done. Who's placing bets. She still won't do it. Yeah, <laughs> it's, like, it's so right. funny. Right. It reminds me of um, my girlfriend, Freya, who's been on the podcast before. She's amazing. At one point she was feeling really lost. She wrote about this, I think somewhere along the line, but she was feeling really lost. And she was like, universe, just give me a sign, just anything. She's like, uh, a blue butterfly. I just want to see a blue butterfly. Anyway, like a week goes by and she's like, fucking no blue butterflies. Oh my goodness. Like maybe I'm really, I'm really on the wrong path. And she was sitting there just having this moment of like this, I, I don't even know. I'm so lost. And then this little butterfly landed and this is the same. There's thousands of them around her garden. They're everywhere. And it landed and it's like yellow and black or something, and it opens its wings, and inside it's blue. Wow. So there's thousands of them all around her for the whole week, and it's like we just sometimes uh, get in our own way. Not we do. And, and that's, <laughs> yeah. I mean, no, it's so true. We do, and it's like that's the – that's I go back to like when we are sleeping, we don't notice these things. Like, um, yeah. So the synchronicities, I think, are, are pretty important. But even with the synchronicities happening right in front of your face, like a thousand butterflies that are actually blue, like we just don't see them. So um, it's interesting. I think it's such a practice to continue to stay open and to listen and to look and to trust. I feel like my journey with um, understanding, working with intuition and everything was like, I would watch it. I would watch myself have the intuition, not do it, have the exact thing that I knew would happen negatively play out and be like, see, I knew I should have followed my intuition. And it was like, when are you going to actually follow it to prove that it exists versus not following it to prove that it exists and that it's real? And it's like, because when you follow it, you know, you don't necessarily get the proof in the same way you do as when it messes up, you know, because when you follow it, then everything just works fine. And there's no moment of like, well, sometimes there is, but oftentimes there can be no moment. Like, and I'm talking about little things as well, like putting your phone down and knowing that you're going to forget it. And then you get in the car and you forget it. And you're like, I knew that. Why did I do that? Like, why didn't I just take that extra second to not do that, to put it in my bag or something. And I, 
I feel like that's what I did for years to prove to myself how strong my intuition was. But like, if I just put it in my bag, I wouldn't have that proof that it was like, definitely, you know, I would have lost it if I hadn't have done that thing. (laughs) I find it so fascinating. And just to be like, all right, I believe this is intuition or spirit or a guide or a sign. And I'm just going to say yes and follow it. Yeah. Yeah. And leveling up the intuition. Cause I think that we all come to this plane with, um, like a survival intuition that's, that's natural. Um, but there's levels to intuition, you know, next is your, your creative intuitiveness. And then the next is like your spiritual intuitiveness. Um, so how do you tap into each and every one of those, um, is really something that I am trying to level up right now. So doing things like within my creative intuition of waking up and asking myself, like, how can I be creative today? And then just coming and sitting and painting or going to the park and dancing or, you know, just something along that creative intuitiveness, like intentionally tapping into it, Mm -hmm. you know? And, and so in moments, then when we're presented with this spiritual intuitiveness, like, do I lean into that voice or am I scared of that voice? And your gut is telling you lean in and your ego is telling you be scared of it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, I don't know. Your ego is telling you, I don't know what that is. So stray away. Um, but your spiritual intuitiveness is saying, Hey, listen, and which one do you go with? Mm. Unless you practice the muscle of intuitiveness, like you're probably going to go, I want to say the wrong one, but um, you're going to go with one that might lead you right back to that same situation time and time again until you- Time and time again until you're brave enough to just do the thing. Yeah. Amazing. I'll tell you one word that changed my life three years ago when I heard the term um, was visceral Mm decision-making. And visceral is of the gut and it's basically just your gut instinct you know, and, um, our gut is made up of our microbiome, which is made up of bacteria. And if you put bacteria out in nature, it has no mind. It has no analytical mind. It has no emotions of the heart. What will it do? It will survive. It will go left or right or whichever way, just based on pure survival. And so your gut is literally telling you which way to go immediately based on the bacteria and the microbiome just wanting to survive. And we try to override it with our analytical minds, or we try to override it with feelings of the heart. And six months later, just like you said, we're sitting here telling ourselves, damn, I should have listened to my, I should have listened to my gut. Mm-hmm. So just on a science perspective, like, <laughs> your gut is right. It's bacteria. It's made yeah. to survive in your best it's- interest. It's so amazing. And I think the clearer we can keep our bodies, which which comes back to, you know, right at the start, we were talking about numbing out and everything. That's a lot of what I did. My intuition as a late teen into my early twenties was very overwhelming for me. I didn't know how to, it kicked in really quick and really like intensely. And I was getting all sorts of messages of like both good and bad things that were going to come. And I just didn't know how to handle it or deal with it. And I think numbing became you know, I was like, I just don't want to know. I don't want to know what's up. I just want to live my days without having to think about this stuff. And 
you know, it makes a lot of sense when the, that when we're disconnected from the feelings in our body through the food we're eating, the alcohol we're consuming and other, you know, habits of lifestyle, it's harder for us, us to hear, hear our gut's message to us. And again, metaphorically, keep your channels clear. Mm-hmm. You know, the food in your body, is, is it clogging you up? The substances you put in, is it clogging you up from clarity? Um, yeah. For one thing, keep your channels clear. <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing. Well, this has been such a great conversation. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. I can't wait to hear the series and hear other people's um, experiences that were in the room with us because it's like we were all there, but we were definitely in our own worlds. So it'd be nice to hear everybody's experience. Totally. I think it's been, I'm really grateful that, um, and that was just a clear message I got after all of our ceremonies on that last night when we were sitting having dinner, people were just chatting a little bit and I was like, wow, it'd be great to get some of the people on the podcast. And it's ended up just being so fantastic and it just brings so much to me. And I'm purposely um, holding off some of my own experience because I'll do an episode on that um, mm-hmm. later, which is, you know, usually I would talk probably more openly, but I want to I want to kind of pack it all into one. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's just been so beautiful and so profound to see and honor just all of us coming together, just brave people, warriors to do their work and working with ayahuasca is no joke. You know, it is not for the faint of heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and just to see and hear everybody's stories of what they were moving through in the space of the collective that I experienced, because it was very beautiful collectively and very powerful and, and a lot of things collectively and was before and will be after just like it always is. But it's so nice to hear everybody's individual journeys as well. So thank you for sharing yours. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Look forward to talking to you again soon. Well, that's amazing. Thanks, Mel.